J. Sherrill puts it in his book, Being with God. He says that if, if we learn the slow and effective rhythms of Jesus, that is the practices of Jesus, we can better descend into the depths of his way, better descend into the depths of his love and become the kinds of people who reflect the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, as we come into a, a series on prayer, to be honest, I, I come in with a little bit of, of prayer baggage. And maybe, maybe you're, you're like me. Maybe you have some of your own prayer baggage when you, when you come into the conversation around prayer. Because I know for me, there have been a number of times when I've just not been sure, like, is there a right or a wrong way to pray? Like, how am I supposed to pray? And I'm, I'm looking at a 30-year like a track record of following Jesus and, and still trying to figure out, like, what is the, the best way to approach the Lord in, in prayer? Is there a right way and is there a wrong way? And, and there have been times in my own following of Jesus that I've, I've actually struggled to pray, where it's been hard to pray, where I found myself in a, in a season of, of spiritual dryness where I've just asked the Lord for things and felt like I was praying in, in, in Jesus' name and according to the will of the Lord, and yet the prayer wasn't answered either in the way that I thought it would or it wasn't answered at all. And so then we start asking questions like, does prayer even matter? Like, why do we even, why do we even pray? And then there's, honestly, there's been times in my, in my own, again, like I said, the, my journey with Jesus where I've had experience with, with other people in prayer that have been, like, awkward or, or even worse, toxic, where, where their approach to prayer or their, what they, their thoughts on prayer, they thought the way I should be praying or not praying actually kind of just deterred me from intimacy and, and connection with, with God. So when we come into a conversation on, on prayer, maybe like me, it, it might feel complicated. It might feel hard. It might feel like you're not sure where to start. But here's what, um, here's what Jesus has been I think, teaching me over the last, certainly the last year, but even into the last four or five and, and maybe 10 years. And it's honestly what I, I hope in this series and as we begin to talk about the practice of prayer, it's my hope for, for us as, as a church is that he would teach us, all of us, this, that prayer is, is not an obligation, that prayer is not just simply something that we have to do for God. And likewise, that prayer is not an evaluation. Prayer is not this way that I determine my spirituality or prove my spirituality to God. And lastly, prayer is not a, a form of, of manipulation. Prayer is not the way that I, I get God to do something for me, to, to, to make sure that I get what I want. But what prayer is, and I, this is what Jesus is, is inviting me into, is, is that prayer is an, an invitation. Prayer is an invitation to communicate and to commune with God. Now, we've been talking about the prayer practice. Many of you probably grabbed one of these prayer practice guides. If you didn't, there's more on that table there or on the table outside. You can, there's like a handful left, so grab one on your way out. But in the beginning of this, I love the way they described prayer. If they said prayer is simply the medium through which we communicate and commune with God. The practice of prayer is learning to set aside dedicated time to intentionally be with God in order to become like him and partner with him in the world. Now, as we talk about the prayer practice, and over these four weeks, we're going to be talking about it as, as this four-stage process. This four-stage process, and, and Pastor Olivia, she started off uh, with the first stage last year, when, or last week, when she said uh, that we're talking to God. 
and she went through the Lord's Prayer. And if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to, to go back and listen to that message. Get on our website, get on YouTube and find us there and go back and, and listen to that message. And then go back into your prayer practice guide and, and read week one of the prayer practice talking about talking to God. Like that's the first stage in, in this progression. The second is what we'll be talking about today, which is talking with God. And then next week, we'll be talking about listening to God. And then finally, on the fourth week, the whole Sunday, we'll be talking about being with God. Now, when we talk about this, this progression, it's not necessarily this, this linear progression, like, all right, it's, it's step one, then step two, then step three, then, then step four. It's actually the, a, a progression that we somewhat move in and out of as we continue to grow in our development, as we continue to grow in our relationship with God, as we get, continue to grow in our ability to, to talk to, to talk with, to listen to, and to, to be with God. It's very similar to like when our kids are learning language. We, we start off by just teaching them how to talk to someone, just like the words to say, please, yes, thank you, all of these things. And, and then we begin to teach them how to talk with somebody. And then we begin to teach them how to listen to somebody. And then eventually they learn just simply how to be with people. And this is that, that same development that we move in and out of. It's not just necessarily linear, but it, there is like a natural progression, just like a child naturally progresses in how they talk to their parents. There's this natural progression as we move through prayer that, that we begin to learn to talk to God, that we begin to engage with talking with God. And as we sit with him, we can begin to learn to listen to him. And eventually, we, we find ourselves in a place where we can just simply be in the presence of God. Maybe even without, without words, without having to go through a prayer list, we can just simply be in his presence. But the thing about prayer that we'll learn over these four weeks is that it doesn't stop <laughs> at the end of four weeks. We don't outgrow prayer. We don't ever arrive at this, at this level of, of prayer m mastering that we don't, no longer need prayer. We no longer have anything else to grow or develop into. It's, it's an ongoing process. So that we're going to talk about this four weeks, but then we're going to be just hopefully practicing prayer in our lives in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead as we begin to and continue to learn what it's like to just simply be with God. And so this morning, we're going to talk about talking to God. And if you happen to bring a Bible with you this morning, let me encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 11. We're going to be starting at, at verse 1. Now, if you didn't happen to bring a Bible with you this morning, you'll find the, the words up on the screen behind me as well. But let me just pray as we step into the, the word of the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you that we can uh, come into your presence, that we can draw near to you. And we thank you that, that your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So we ask for that this morning as we come into your word and as we talk about prayer, that we talk about talking to and talking with you, that you would, you would be our teacher today, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us to pray. We uh, look forward to it and we love it and we love you in Jesus' name, amen. So let me start in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read the first four verses and these will sound familiar because Pastor Olivia read them last week, but it says... One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When, when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So last week, Pastor Olivia, she, she walked us through this passage. She walked us through the, the Lord's Prayer and gave us a little bit of context and understanding and even how we can incorporate this prayer into a, a practice of prayer on our own. And, and when Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray, this is where he, he started with them. This was the starting point. He said, when you pray, say, and he gave them the Lord's Prayer. He gave them both a, a structure and some words that they could begin speaking to God. If they didn't have words of their own, they could just utilize these words, begin speaking to God with these words, and then you can take these words and they can become a, a structure for prayer. You, as Maybe you, you got into your uh, prayer practice guide and you saw that in the, in the reach practice in, on week one, they, were, they just walked you through a, a way of, of praying the Lord's Prayer part by part, like just starting with our Father and then praying into that. And then hallowed be your name, praying into that. And, it, and it, what I found is between that prayer and then all of the, the kind of the pre-written prayers in the back of this, of this book, it, it actually encouraged me into a new prayer rhythm to actually choose one of these prayers to pray each morning. And, and certainly they could just be words that I, that I would speak. These are words I could just speak to God. But I could also just sit with them and just meditate on them. I could just sit there and, and pray a phrase from one of the prayers and just linger in that spot with the Lord and then just continue to pray as the Lord is leading me in that. It was a, both a, a refreshing and a, a soul-deepening invitation that I felt as, as we were starting off in this first week of, of the prayer practice and talking about talking to God. But it, Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop by giving them the Lord's prayer. He actually continues on in verse 5 when he says this. He says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lead, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, in this section of this passage, Jesus is utilizing a, like a teaching technique. It was a, a teaching technique that the, the rabbis of that day would use, and, it would, and New Testament scholars refer to it as a kind of a how much more technique. What we see in this passage is that Jesus' point of this passage is, is not that God is, is some grumpy old neighbor who, who will only do what you ask if you just continue to pester him, you just continue to just annoy him, you just continue to come back to him. If you just work, if you just work and, and pray and pester long enough, he will give in to you. That is, that is not the point that Jesus is trying to make in this moment. What he's saying is that if even a grumpy old neighbor eventually is willing to, to offer you what you need when you need it because you need it, how much more will your Heavenly Father offer you what you need when you ask for it and when, when you need it? Jesus wanted them to see the difference between those, those, two, those two pieces. This is the point that he was making. And, and he goes on in verse 11 where he says, So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now in the, the NIV, the New International Version, which is the version I read this to you, it, there's something that, that gets kind of missed in that translation, in, in their translation of this passage. The, the Amplified Version, I think, captures it a little bit better. They say, it says it this way, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. Now again, what Jesus is not advocating here is like a, a childish mentality of like when you show up at the supermarket and your kid wants a toy or a pack of gum, or a bag of Skittles, or whatever, like, come on, Dad, please, and like, no. Dad, how about now, please, no. Like, they, they figure if they pester long enough, they just keep on asking that, that I would give in, and, and sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't, but, but that's, a, that's not what Jesus was kind of referencing here. I believe what he was talking about is much more what, like what Ronald Rollheiser says in his book, Sacred Fire, when he talks about keeping on or keeping it up. He says, the great spiritual writers assure us that without exception, we will all have seasons within our prayer, within which our prayer is dry, boring, and can be done only on the base of dogged willpower and commitment. Isn't that disarming to know like that is part of the reality? Like we just know like there will be seasons when prayer won't be easy where prayer might just feel dry or boring or lifeless or pointless. It's at least for me, it's reassuring to know that I'm not alone in that experience. And maybe if you're feeling that way as well in your prayer life, like that you're not alone, that this is a common experience in the life of prayer. He goes on and says that those same writers then go on to affirm that because this will be true for everyone, then one single non-negotiable rule for prayer is simply this, show up. Show up regularly, irrespective of feeling and irrespective of, irrespective of mood. We cannot guarantee how we will feel on any given day, but we can guarantee that short of an emergency, we will appear. It's not important which method of prayer we use, only that we pray. See, what he is emphasizing, I think what Jesus is, is emphasizing is this idea of just keep showing up. Ask and, and keep on asking. Seek and, and keep on seeking. Knock and, and keep on knocking. Not to be annoying, but just to keep showing up. Now the last few verses of this passage, Jesus kind of wraps it up and he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion Never had that happen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, if you were tracking with this passage and, and, and what we were talking about this morning, we see that there is, there is progression in what Jesus is teaching here when he's teaching his disciples to pray. There's a progression in it. Jesus begins by teaching his disciples to talk 
to God. He gives them this, this prayer that is just simply words to God that they can then build into a structure of, of kind of their own words to God. But eventually he realizes that they, they will want to come to their father, our father, with, with their needs, with their desires, with, with their hurts, with, with their joys, with their gra- gratitude, all of these things. And they will begin to have a conversation with God, not just simply to God. Now, I want you to, to bear with me as I give you maybe an example of how this is a sign of, of progression. And is that I, in some ways, I would say it's, it's similar to learning the game of, of pickleball. And, and those of you, I, there's a lot of like just people just like, I just saw that. A couple of you were like, just don't talk about pickleball. It's okay. I'm only going to talk for like 30 seconds. But here's the thing is like when you're learning the game of pickleball, you, you don't start by just playing the game. If you do, it's probably going to just be a mess. You start by, by learning the rules, right? You start by having a, a structure for how to play this game, how to win the game, where the out of bounds is, how to, how to score points. How do you win, right? We want to win the game. You, you just start with a, a structure. But then eventually you want to learn technique. You want to learn like how, how do you actually hit the ball? How do you make it go over the net? What what are the techniques that I would, I would need to know to be successful at this game? And you do that by, by listening to and, and watching others that have figured it out, that are, that are teachers. So very similarly like, to what Jesus was doing, like, he was teaching them to like, pray, but he was, it's just like teaching them to play pickleball. Like, he gave them structure, but then he moved on to like, give them some, some technique some ways to actually begin to, to have conversation with God. And, and with the ultimate goal being this, that eventually, and this is the goal in pickleball, right? I mean, besides winning the game, is, is you just want to learn how to respond. Like, you don't want to have to spend the game worrying about the rules. You don't want to have to spend the game worrying about technique. You want to just play the game. When the ball is hit at you, you're not thinking like, oh, I got to make sure I hit it inbounds, not out of bounds. You just want to hit it. And it just the natural response is that you would hit it Inbounds. When the ball is coming at you, you don't want to think, oh, how do I hit a lot of topspin? What did that guy say? How do I hit topspin on the ball? You just want it to be a natural response. Man, the ball's coming down here. I'm going to hit some topspin so it goes out over there. And it just becomes a natural response. And that's the goal of of this type of prayer. That we wouldn't just simply stay with a a structure, although it's valuable and and can be refreshing. And it's part of my own daily prayer is to pray the Lord's Prayer. But if I, if I left it at that and never moved towards like just a responsive conversation with the Lord, responding to the, to the situations of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, with my own words and my own thoughts and my own interactions with the Lord, it, it, would, it, would, it would stagnate at a, at a simple talking to. It's moving to talking with. And so here's three ways that we talk with God. The first is, is with gratitude. So gratitude is talking with God about what is good in your life and what is good in the world. We can kind of capture this idea of what is good in life and what is good in the world with the, the word shalom. You've probably heard this, the word shalom if you've been in church for a while. It's often, especially in the Old Testament, it's, it's a word that's translated into peace, which we usually think that just means a lack of conflict. But the idea of shalom is so much more than a, than a lack of conflict. It's so much more than just a simple peace. It's this idea of, of wholeness. It's this idea of, of flourishing. It's this idea of, of delight. It's, thing, it's the idea of things being as they ought to be, as they were intended to be from the very beginning. It's this, this and again, peace is a good word to describe it, but it, it's limiting. So this idea of, of what we show gratitude for, like talking with God about the good in your life in the world, this is, this is shalom. 
Timothy Gallagher, he talks about gratitude this way. He says, recognizing God's loving gifts and recognizing God's loving presence through them can be summarized in the word gratitude. Just simply by recognizing God's loving gifts and God's loving presence in those gifts is, is at the heart of what gratitude is. And gratitude lies at the very heart of our relationship with God. Our ability to, to recognize these things and talk with God about them. But if your life is anything like mine, and, and I'm sure it is, is that life is not always up and, and to the right. Life is, is not always filled with, with the good. It's not always filled with, with the right. It's not always filled with flourishing. Sometimes life has like the downside, down and into the pain and, and in, into sorrow, into, into brokenness, into, into suffering. And so then, how do we talk about that with God? Well, there's a word for it that we use in, in finding scripture. It's the word lament. Lament is talking with God about what is broken or evil, or maybe even just hard and painful in your life and world. You see, this is, this is kind of the opposite of shalom. This is where we experience what Barry Jones would call the, the vandalism of shalom, pain, suffering, tragedy, brokenness, sin, evil, injustice. And I think when it comes to these things, I think what we, many of us, myself included at times, have yet to realize is that when we experience these things, when we experience like the vandalism of shalom, we don't realize that we can talk to God about that. And if we do realize that we can talk to God about it, we feel like we have to talk to him about it in a certain way. It's got to be kind of sugar-coated. It's got to be on, on his terms. It's got to be like I got to use all my nice words and like, Lord, your will be done and it's, it's okay because I trust you. But, but what we see in Scripture, especially what we see in the, in the Psalms or what are called Psalms of Lament, which is where people who experience the brokenness of the world, the, the, the hard and, and the ugly and the, and the tragic, and, and they didn't respond with platitudes. They just cried out. Like in Psalm 10, like, how long, O oh Lord? How long will I experience this kind of suffering? How long will we see this kind of brokenness in, in our homes or in our, in our families? How long, O oh Lord, is, was the cry for their pain, for their, for their suffering? What we see in, in these psalms of lament, and over two-thirds of, of the psalms that were written are considered psalms of lament, is that it's okay to approach God with, with, with our frustration, with our questions, with our anger, with our disappointments, with all the emotions and feelings that, that we experience when we go through the hard and the broken and the painful and the tragic parts of life. It's okay to bring those to God. In fact, it's good for us. It's, it's healing for us in some ways. And, and it's, it's part of how we talk with God. We wouldn't just limit our conversation with God to the things that are good. We need to be able to talk with God about, about the things that are, that are hard, the things that, that, are, that are rough. And I guess maybe a side note on that would be that like these kind of conversations with God, it can just feel like complaining potentially. Like, oh man, whatever. Like I, I didn't get what I wanted. Or, or maybe it's, it's something really legit and you have a... a a reasonable complaint, but, 
I think what we need to realize is, and I think this is what keeps us from doing, is we don't want to be complainers. Like, we don't, we, we don't want God to just look at us, oh, he's just a, a persistent complainer. But the reality of, of the lament is that it actually is, is based upon it and rooted in our understanding of who God is. These aren't just simply just our, our list of complaints to God, but it is, it is based on our understanding of who God is and who he is to us and how he loves and cares for us. I love how Anne Voskamp describes this. She says, The lament is a cry of belief in a good God. A God who has his ears, his ear to our hearts. A God who transfigures the ugly into beauty. See, we don't just cry out to God because we're, we're just mad, but we believe that God is a God who cares about us. He cares what we care about. He cares that our hearts are broken. He cares that we've experienced hard things in life. And, and maybe he, there's room for him to actually do something about it because he is a God of, of redemption. He is a God who takes the the broken and the hard and the painful, and he turns it into something beautiful. And so we don't stop with just praying the things that are good and great in life. We don't just stop at praying about the things that are hard and talking with God about the things that are hard and, and painful and, and unjust in our life. We actually begin to come to God with our prayers, our petitions, and our intercessions. That's the third way that we talk with God is through petition and intercession, which is asking God to fulfill his promise to overcome evil with good. Now, petition is when we do this on our, on our own behalf, and we're asking God to overcome the evil in the world with good in our, in our own lives. And then intercession is when we're praying those things on behalf of someone else, maybe in our lives, a, a friend or a, or a family member or, or someone that you just, maybe you don't even know, or just even a situation in our world or in our community. But both of these are, are rooted in Jesus' invitation for us to ask and to keep on asking ask and to and to keep on asking but the question besides asking is like what do we ask for like so you say jesus you say ask and keep on asking but what what do we ask for when we're we're offering prayers of of petition and intercession how do i know what to ask for how do i know what to pray well if we go back into the first four verses and we look at how jesus taught his disciples to pray we see that he he gives us a, a thing to ask for he says when you pray, pray this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What you ask for is, is your kingdom come. And if you read Matthew's version of this prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now the question maybe follow-up to that would be like, why? Like, why, why are we asking, praying your kingdom come? Why is that what we ask for? Well, one, it is, we're assuming, and what we, what we, it looks like Jesus is assuming in this passage is that his kingdom has not fully come yet. It has not been fully established. And the kingdom of God is what we call a now and, and not yet kingdom. Like, we see the, the hand of God moving. We see restoration and redemption taking place. We see people, like, being saved, and we see healing. We see life being transformed, but we also see brokenness, tragedy, heartache, and pain. There is a kingdom that is coming now, and we can experience that, but it is not fully arrived yet. And so the second part of, of why we would pray your kingdom come is because, according to Jesus, your prayers matter. Our prayers matter. He says, pray your kingdom come. Like he says, pray about this thing. And, and when he says, pray your kingdom come, it's not just this, this general I the idea of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. And it, it kind of is, 
But I think sometimes we can get distracted by the thought of, of Jesus' return. And we just think, okay, I'm going to pray for the, the kingdom to come, which is Jesus returning, and, and I'm just going to wait for that to happen. And that's all well and good, but there's a lot of life to live between now and, and then because we don't know when then is. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying specifically into the, our world, into our lives, into the lives of our family and lives of our friends and lives of our community. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth in this specific place, in this specific person, in this specific situation as it, as it is in, in heaven. Now, a few years ago, I listened to a pastor who was talking about these he was describing the, the markers of the kingdom of God. Like, this is when we can see, like, the kingdom of God showing up on earth as it is in heaven. And, and he had seven words that, were, like, that would describe, like, some of these markers. And what, when maybe we see them, he, he says it's joy, peace, healing, salvation, belonging, justice, and God's presence. Like when we see these things on earth, we, we are seeing the kingdom of God breaking in on earth as it is in heaven. And these seven things, like they, they cover a lot. I use them when, I, when I'm petitioning for my, on my own behalf and when I'm interceding for those in my life. I typically will pray out of these seven markers. I'll be praying for, for someone to experience peace, that they might be infused with joy, that they might experience salvation, that they might have healing take, take place in their body, that they might know that they belong, may experience the presence of God and that, that justice would, would come into the situation of the person's life. Like that is what I use to, to guide many of my prayers when I'm praying for myself, when I'm praying for, for others, those seven kind of markers of God's kingdom. But there are also markers that would help us to, to know what to be grateful for. When we are seeing joy in our lives or the lives around us or the world around us, when we see peace, when we see salvation, when we see healing, when we see belonging, when we experience the presence of God or we see justice, we know that these are good things that we should be grateful for and we should thank God for them. But on the flip side, when we look into our lives, when we look into the lives of our family and we see that these things are missing, no joy, no peace, Someone who needs healing. Someone who needs to be saved. Someone who doesn't belong. I mean, we just see injustice after injustice in our, in our world. And, and we, we, these are like these signs when we see them missing in our lives and the world around us is when we lament. We say, oh, how long, oh Lord? And we begin to pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Again, not just simply return, but, but come right now and bring joy. Come right now and bring peace, healing, salvation, justice, belonging in your presence. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And this morning, as we close our time together and we, and we consider talking with God, I want to give us just a little bit of space to, to pray together. And so... Dan, go ahead and put up that first slide. It's going to be kind of some audience participation in this, but very little. All you have to do is a few times you have to say that the bold words up there, hear our prayer. I think you can do it. But here's the other thing that we're going to do. I'm going to read the first line, then you'll read the second one. And then I'm going to read some things on the next slide that just, it's going to be an invitation into gratitude. And we're just going to pause for a moment to just give you a chance to thank God for the things that are good, good, 
and right for the shalom that you're experiencing in life or in our world today. And then we're going to go on to the next one where we'll, we'll consider what are some things that are missing. What are some, some places in our lives or in the lives around us or in our world where we need to lament and cry out, oh, God, how long? How long, oh, Lord? So we'll pause and we'll give you a space just to do that on your own where you're sitting. And then the last one, we'll, we'll actually just give you a chance just to be thinking about, Jesus, how can you infuse some of these things into my life, the lives around me, and the world around me? Joy and peace, salvation, justice, belonging, God's presence. So at your, in your seat, maybe just sit up for a moment. Maybe close your Bible. Maybe just take a deep breath just to reset yourself a little bit. And then follow along with me. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For what is good in our lives and world, we are grateful. For where we are seeing, experiencing joy, peace, healing, salvation, belonging, justice in your presence, Take a moment and just thank the Lord for those. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For what is broken, evil, and sad in our lives and world, we cry out, how long, O Lord, for the places or, or where in our lives and world we are missing joy, peace, healing, salvation, belonging, justice in your presence. Pause for a moment and just cry out and lament to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For ourselves and for others, we ask you, loving Father, to fulfill your promises to overcome evil with good, to take what is broken, tragic, and painful and turn it into something beautiful. In our lives, we ask, our lives and the lives of others, we ask for peace, your joy, your healing, your salvation, your belonging, your justice, your presence. Take a moment and offer a petition for yourself or an intercession for someone else. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Would you stand with me? As we close our 
our time together with another song. I want to make available to you an opportunity, an invitation really to, to receive prayer, to be interceded on behalf of, to have someone who could stand in the gap for you or someone you know. So if this morning you feel like, the, like there's an area in your life where you need joy or peace, salvation or healing, where you, where you need justice, where you just need to sense the Lord's presence or belonging, I'll be in the back. A couple other really wonderful people will be back there as well. And you can just join us and we pray, we'll pray with you and, and for you. And, and we'll talk to God with you and talk with God for you. If that's that you're um, sensing an invitation into, um, that's available in the back.